welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoyed listening to the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. In this passage, Jesus is visited at night by a man named Nicodemus. And... Um, I think it's a familiar story for uh, any of us who may have grown up in church. Um, and it, it, it uses some language that was a, a puzzle to Nicodemus. Jesus told him that you must be born again. And after 2,000 years of Christian history, we can kind of describe what uh, is involved in the new birth. Uh, of, of what happens in what the, the doctrine of regeneration, of when, when God makes us who are dead in sin to come alive in Christ. Those, when, when we are born again, whenever new life comes into us. We can kind of describe that, but I, I checked a, um, uh, a systematic theology to, to check out what it said about the doctrine of the new birth. And one of the points said, it, it, it is a mystery to us. It is mysterious. We know that it happens. We know that God has given us new life. We know that we were once dead in our sins and now we are alive in Christ. But it is mysterious to us how He does it or why He does it. We were sinners. I didn't deserve Jesus. None of us here deserves Jesus, but He gives Himself to us mysteriously. He has given us new life in Him. Let's look at what our text says tonight. Beginning in verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This, was a man, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter in a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from. Or where it goes, so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you don't understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know, and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who has descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, 
so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that you, by your spirit, work in our hearts to create the new birth. <coughs> Lord, I pray that you would be, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear tonight. Lord, I do pray that if there's anyone here that has not yet placed their faith in you, Lord, that has not yet experienced the new birth, that by the preaching of your word and by the blowing of your spirit, Lord, that you would awaken them and bring them to new spiritual life tonight. Father, we love you. Lord, I, I also come to you needy. I am weak. You are strong. I'm sinful. The new birth cannot be accomplished through a man, no matter how clever the things that are said might be. But it can only be done by your spirit. Lord, give me strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus, <coughs> when, we, when we last saw Jesus last week as we looked at the last passage here, it says that many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, didn't entrust himself to them because he knew all people. He knew what was inside of human beings. He knew our dark hearts. He knew that they may profess belief because of the things that they saw, but they hadn't experienced the new birth. Jesus sees that. And here now, this Pharisee, he, he isn't just any Pharisee. You know, a Pharisee um, is kind of a... There were different branches of, of Judaism, different... Um, uh, political groups and some held some teachings and some held the others. The Pharisees were actually very, very similar to Jesus. They accepted the whole Old Testament. They accepted uh, the fact that there is a, a resurrection from the dead uh, as opposed to the, the Sadducees who they didn't accept the whole Old Testament. They only accepted the first five books. And, and they didn't believe that there was any kind of resurrection. They believed that, that what was here in the, in the life now was all that there was. But the Pharisees, they were much more like Jesus. Which is probably the reason why they had so much conflict between them. Because Jesus had to show how he was different from Judaism at the time. This Pharisee who would have studied the Scriptures who would have known the Bible, who probably had large parts memorized, named Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. We know from later on in the Gospel of John that he was probably part of the Sanhedrin, uh, one of the, would be like the Jewish Supreme Court at the time. And uh, he would have been very, very important. He comes to Jesus at night. Some of Question, why did he come at night? Did he have some kind of deceptive purpose in coming to Jesus? 
Or maybe he was afraid of what others would think, so he came at night. We really don't know. But there has to be some purpose there why Nicodemus came at night. And he says to him, Rabbi. He was making a compliment. Uh, Jesus didn't have any rabbinical training. Didn't, didn't, uh, he was just a carpenter's son. He, he wouldn't have gone to rabbi school and all those things, but Nicodemus knew that he was something different. He came and he called him rabbi, teacher. He says, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do the signs you do unless God is with him. This Nicodemus comes to Jesus, complimenting him, saying that he is from God. He believes he's from God. He's seen Jesus' signs that he's done. But Jesus saw through it. Jesus saw through it and knew this man had not been born again. He didn't entrust himself yet to Nicodemus because he knew what was in Nicodemus. Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher from, come from God. No one can do the signs you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, Truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. It's quite an answer. Nicodemus comes to Jesus with this high opinion of Jesus. Saying he's a rabbi, even though he never had any formal training. He said, you have to be from God because we see the signs that you're doing that Jesus, he's not impressed by Nicodemus. He says, if you're not born again, you'll never see God's kingdom. You've seen the signs, Nicodemus, but you won't see God's kingdom unless you're born again is what Jesus tells him. Nicodemus says to him, how can a man be born when he is old? How can, can he enter in a second time to his mother's womb and be born? Nicodemus sees this only from the natural side, from the human physical perspective. He's thinking, born again? Like if you were to go to some people who had no conflict, contact at all with the Christian gospel, no contact at all with Christians or the Bible, and you would tell them, in order to be accepted before God, you have to be born again. What would they think? Probably the same thing Nicodemus thinks. What are you talking about? That's crazy. Jesus, or Nicodemus says, how can this happen? How can someone be born Again, and Jesus answered, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. This unless one is born of water and the spirit uh, has caused some puzzlement, uh, some uh, and, and, and actually, uh, this is what I've always kind of learned and what I've always thought was, you know, you have to be born both physically, but that's of water. You know, you're, you're born of water whenever you, you, you are born by natural processes. And then you're born of the spirit whenever you're born again. 
That is one way to take it. The people that I read didn't really think it was that way. And, and, and I don't think it's baptism, saying water, you know, baptism or, or uh, of the Spirit. But I think what he's doing here is it's, it's bringing about this Old Testament passage to mind. The one that um, Bradley read earlier from Ezekiel chapter 36, which said, I'll sprinkle clean water on you and give you a new heart. I'll, I'll take the heart of stone out and I'll put in a heart of flesh. That's, I think, what Jesus is getting at here. Sprinkling clean water. This idea of the Spirit coming in and changing a person from the inside out. That's what Jesus is getting at. Jesus then said, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. When we're born as a human being, we are merely flesh. We are weak. We are frail. We are sinful. But that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Jesus says, Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. This gets back to the mystery that we've heard about. It's mysterious. God, by His Spirit, blows wherever He wishes. And you cannot tell where it's going. The word for spirit and the word for wind are the same word in both Greek and in Hebrew. In Hebrew, it's ruach, and it means both spirit and it means wind. In, uh, in Greek, it's the word pneuma. Uh, you, you, we get the idea of a, uh, pneumatics, you know, something that, with the P-N, you know, uh, that uh, air, you know, um, my thoughts are getting fuzzy. Anyway, um, pneuma. So it also means both wind and spirit. And so when Jesus here uses this analogy saying the wind blows where it wishes, I mean, we can also see it. the idea is the spirit blows where it wishes. You can't cause the new birth to happen. It's the sovereign work of God. God does it in our hearts. It's what God does in us. He is the one who brings us new life. He is the one who makes us look at the world in an entirely new way. We can't just decide one day, oh, I think I'm going to start following Jesus now. But no, it's God working in our hearts, opening our eyes, giving us new life. That's what Jesus is getting at here whenever He says the wind blows as it wishes, and so it is with the Spirit of God. Nicodemus says to Him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel and yet do not understand these things? Why should Nicodemus have understood that? Is there something in the Old Testament about being born again, being born of water and the Spirit, being a spiritual birth and a natural birth. I think Jesus had in mind this uh, Ezekiel passage that we just talked about. 
where God would take his people and he would sprinkle clean water on them, cleanse them from their sins. He'd take out their heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh, give them a new heart with new desires. That's what the new birth is. It's when God comes to us and he takes away our old person and makes us new, makes us a new creation. You can't get that by just turning over a new leaf and deciding you want to live a different way. It happens when God, the Holy Spirit, makes you come alive. It happens when you hear the gospel and you believe it and God does something in your life to change you from the inside out. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know. We bear witness to what we have seen, but you cannot receive. You do not receive our testimony. When he says you do not receive our testimony, I believe that is in a plural sense. He's talking about Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was uh, among the Sanhedrin, you know, and, and it was the Sanhedrin that trialed, that gave, put Jesus on trial and had him taken to be crucified. Jesus said, I speak of what I know. I, I am God. He, he says, I was that one who was there in the beginning with God. Like chapter 1 tells us. I was the one who was with God, who was the Word, who became flesh and dwelt among human beings. I am, as John the Baptist called Him, the Lamb of God who would come and take away the sins of the world. I, he is the one who revealed His glory, manifested His glory when He did signs like turning water into wine. He says, I'm the one who came down from heaven. I know what I'm talking about. But you don't believe what I'm telling you. By a plural sense. The Sanhedrin doesn't. The Pharisees don't believe him. But he's challenging Nicodemus. You, Nicodemus, must be born again if you want to see the kingdom of heaven. Jesus tells him, I have told you earthly things and you do not believe. How can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Again, he's pointing to who he is. John chapter 1, the prologue where it tells us of who Jesus was. He was pre-existent from all eternity with God who became flesh and lived among us. He is the one who came down from heaven to tell us. Then Jesus says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus begins to change his metaphor. Here he is talking about the new birth, being born again. Then he, he's talking about how the, the wind blows where it wishes and, and the, the wind, the Holy Spirit, is what causes the new birth. And he changes his metaphor and he tells us about this story in the Old Testament that Amy read. The people grumbled. The people, they had been saved out of Egypt. God delivered His people out of Egypt to bring them into the promised land. And they're all grumbling, saying... We had it so much better in Egypt. Can't we go back there? They're grumbling. 
They didn't believe in Moses. They didn't believe in their God. What the Jewish people, the Israelites were guilty of was the same thing the Pharisees were guilty of. They had seen God do miraculous work in bringing His people out of Egypt, yet they did not believe. They saw the sign, yet they grumbled and said, can't we go back? And so God sent a judgment on them. He sent fiery snakes and the snakes began to bite people and there was no antidote at all. They were, there were people that were dying left and right. And Moses interceded. He prayed. He asked, the whole, he asked God to save His people. And God said, take a bronze snake, a, a snake made out of bronze, put it on a pole, lift it high in the air, and whoever looks on that will be saved. And the people did, and they were saved. In the same way, the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, had to be lifted up. And there's a double meaning here. He was lifted up on a cross. He was literally lifted up from the ground and nailed to a cross. And in that, Jesus was humiliated. And yet in that also, He was exalted. He was doing the will of His Father, what He came to do. It was the culmination, it was the climax of everything that He had come to do. He was being lifted up. And what we must do, and everyone that was there must do, is look to Jesus in faith. Look to Him. That's all we do. We look to Him and God does a work in our heart and the new birth happens. We don't work for it. We don't have to somehow turn over a new leaf and make ourselves better. No, we hear the Gospel we hear that Jesus is this one that if we put our faith in Him, if we just look to Him in faith, we can be saved. And we look to Jesus. And we're born again. We begin to see the world in a new way. The things we used to love, we hate. The things we used to hate, we love. I'm not saying everything. There is... It's not saying that, I'm not saying that uh, uh, people who are not yet born again are, are as bad as they can possibly be. But what I am saying is we, we loved ourselves. We loved selfish things. We loved to just do everything we could for ourselves and our own pleasure. And now we recognize things from God's perspective. And how the things that we loved before hurt other people. The things we loved before hurt God. The things that we loved before are not what we want to do any longer. He puts in us new desires, a new heart. We look at the world in an entirely new way. And it's like being born again as a new person.
George Whitfield, not my father-in-law. Amy's maiden name is Whitfield. Her father's name is George. Not that George Whitfield, <laughs> but the famous preacher. Uh, one who was a friend of Benjamin Franklin back in the 1700s. A lady once asked him, you keep preaching this. You must be born again. You must be born again. Why do you keep preaching this? And of course, Whitfield, he, he was an itinerant preacher. So he, would go, he would go around and he would preach in all kinds of different places. He wasn't a pastor that was in one place. So thousands and thousands and thousands of people, wherever he would go, would hear the same message everywhere he'd go. And so this woman comes to him and asks, why do you keep saying this? You must be born again. You must be born again. And he responded, well, because you must be born again. <laughs> and it's something we can't do. It's something we cannot do. The new birth is a miracle of God. We can't change our heart. We can't just become a new person by our own striving and by our own effort. It only happens when we look to Jesus and say, I can't. I can't save myself. We look to Jesus. We throw ourselves on Him in faith. And He gives us a new heart. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.wordpress.com or you can like us on Facebook. Facebook.